0: Chapter 20. 99% Perspiration Coop sat in one of his tiny chairs, pondering his equipment and current dilemma. He was positive the area at Coanga and Lakeridge was a special area, a place where the Earth's magnetic field was porous or thin. He was also fairly certain that if they hit a certain rate of speed during an electric storm and hit the same pole, or at the very least, passed into that area at that speed, even without hitting the pole, they would propel themselves into another time. But which time would that be? He was working with very primitive tools, trying to replicate an experiment that was an accident. Not just any accident, but a freak accident. With science, The only way to solve problems, he knew, was to conduct experiments over and over and then replicate the results over and over. Coop frowned.
1: But how does one replicate a freak accident?
0: A dark thought entered Coop's mind. What if he was dead wrong? More wrong than he'd ever been about anything. What if they hit 80 miles per hour in the rain, swerved, smashed into a pole, and both ended up the subjects of a police crime photo. Coop rubbed his eyes, then abruptly stood up, dashed to his Dodge, started the engine, and tooled over to Coanga and Lakeridge. He parked and walked in a slow radius around the area, glancing occasionally up to the newly repaired power lines. He sensed there was something there. He could feel it, a certain energy, a vibration, in the air this was it coop had been here a thousand times and every time he stood in this spot he could feel it and taste it a strange coppery taste that coated his tongue every time he stood right there this was it it had to be the problem lay in how to reopen the door coop thought he had the solution speed plus energy an energy at an exceptionally high level. That would get them through to some other time. They had to go. They didn't belong there. Coop would have to use Evan's car. Coop's Dodge couldn't reach the speeds necessary. They needed an electrical storm, a rarity in L.A. Then they could ram the car right through the time portal to who knows where. The more Coop rolled the problem over in his mind, the more convinced he became that they could do it. Coop crossed his arms, staring daringly up at that infamous pole.
1: To heck with the consequences.
0: He'd construct something transportable that could generate enough power to open the portal. Coop rubbed his chin, hitting another mental snag.
1: How could a device built with only commercially available 1946 technology hold that much power. Coop
0: sighed. He'd just have to work on it, night and day. Sleep was not a luxury either of them could afford. Their time was running out. Having grown up in a church-going family, Coop had always tried to find faith and the voice of God wherever he could. He looked up at the sky, closed his eyes, and thought, So is this the place, God? Am I correct? Thunder boomed in the distance. Coop's ears perked up. He felt rain falling. This was it. He had to go now. He hurried to his car and drove toward Evan in Beverly Hills. Coop roused Evan from his sleep at 2 a.m. Light rain was falling, and the forecast called for more precipitation. This is our chance, Coop said for the second or third time sitting tensely in the passenger side of Evan's Ford as Evan drove them through the wet streets.
1: We have to try now.
0: Evan stared glumly at the road ahead. He glanced in his rear view and saw a pile of Coop's steampunk electrical equipment jumbled in the back, held together by thick, rubber-coated cabling. Coop reached back, turned to the biggest machine in the pile, and switched it on. It began to glow. They made their way east on sunset and passed over Fairfax, which Evan noticed in 1946 was just as sleepy as it was in 2021. The glow from Coop's machines lit the car up in warm colors. Evan glanced nervously at the luminescent metal humming directly behind them.
1: What do those do? Interesting question. They tap into the Los Angeles power grid and... Using electromagnetic forces, build up enough energy to take us through the portal. Coop explained. I'm not sure it will work, but we must try. A
0: fork of lightning lit up the sky. But this storm wasn't nearly as charged as the storm from 2021 that propelled Evan into 1946. Shouldn't we wait for a bigger storm? I mean, this is far from the storm I passed through in. Evan mentioned a little desperately because, in his heart of hearts, he hoped this wouldn't work. He could maybe deal with Huckabee, maybe learn to like him. Or worse, he could start seeing more apparitions and slowly be driven insane. He'd seen enough horror movies to know how things worked once you passed through forbidden doors. Evan's heart pounded hard. He could feel the electricity in the air.
1: Okay, Evan, let's hope we don't burst into flames when I hit this switch. Coop muttered. Before
0: Evan could object, he flipped said switch. The entire car began to glow red. Evan could feel heat and prepare to bail out. He glanced out the window, just in time to see all of the stoplights go out in unison. Well, this should be interesting. Evan said through slightly gritted teeth, and not too far behind him came the first car accident, a boom of glass and steel. He passed through the La Brea and Sunset intersection, barely missing an oncoming 1931 LaSalle. He dodged several more cars as he made his way east, his Ford looking like quite a spectacle as it glowed orange through the streets of Hollywood barely dodging the few cars out at this hour. They hit Coanga, and Evan swung north. The weight of the machines dragged the car down,
1: slowing their progress. Evan, here we go, Coop said, voice intense. I need you to get the car to 80 to 85 miles per hour now,
0: Evan floored it and had to chuckle a little. This was just like Back to the Future, except without the DeLorean. The car was sluggish, hard to handle. Coop turned around and hit another switch. The machines grew hotter. Not one house or streetlight shone. Coop had sucked every kilowatt of power from the Hollywood area, maybe beyond. Evan loved the insanity of it and sped the car up. The V8 was singing as his foot prodded the pedal down. Seventy. 75, 80. Here we go, Coop shouted. Evan got it up to 88. He could see the light pole up ahead, but it was dark. No giant portal of electricity, no spectacular light show. He could feel the car hydroplaning. He corrected the skid, but nothing otherworldly was happening this time. Watch out, Coop shouted. And Evan did exactly that. He steered the car away from the pole, slowed, and finally braked. They waited. Nothing happened. No bright flash of light, no electrical excitement. The machines in the back were humming, but otherwise seemed dormant. Evan steered the car toward Lake Ridge and parked. Want to try again? He asked. Above, there was no lightning just a thin sheen of oily mist that covered the streets and landscape.
1: Well, that was a disappointment, Coop grumbled. Let's chalk this one up to my over-enthusiasm and not really understanding the problem. Shall we return home?
0: Let me help you unload all this, and whatever I can do to help you with these incredible machines, I will do. Coop took him up on it. They returned to Coop's house on Clarissa and Evan helped Coop unload the machinery. Once inside, Evan assisted Coop in hooking back up all the machines to prepare for the next round of experimentation.
1: Evan, pass me the Phillips. Let me show you how all this works together,
0: Coop offered. And for the next three hours, Evan got a crash course in quantum physics, energy, and Tesla's velocity squared times mass over length. Most of it went over Evan's head. But Coop's impressive explanation made him realize that Coop had missed his calling. He would have made a magnificent university professor. They ended their day with a Coca-Cola toast to their next attempt. When do you think we could try this again? Evan asked. Coop shrugged and smiled. Weeks. Maybe months. Who knows? For weeks, Frank, Bill, and Evan lived, breathed, and ate it's a wonderful life, 18 hours a day. The studio had instituted a fierce deadline on completion of the picture, and while exhaustion had set in for many on the team, Evan was thrilled to be part of history in the making. The day finally came when Capra put his seal of approval on the final product, and this was, of course, when Evan became the most concerned. Strickler, had remained conspicuously invisible throughout the editing process, and though he had threatened to decide the final cut, he never made an appearance in the editing room, never sent notes or called with suggestions. Nothing. In Evan's mind, this could only mean he was working in stealth and was planning his sneaky next move. Evan drove home from the studio that day, Filled with a huge sense of relief and wondered if all filmmakers felt like this when their picture was locked. A big moment for everyone except the composer and sound editors who then had to weave their own special magic over the final picture. He pulled up to Jimmy's house, cranked the emergency breakup, ambled to the front door and knocked. Jimmy opened the door, flashed a rather anemic grin, and motioned for Evan to enter. Evan frowned. Something bothering you, Jimmy? You look a little down. Gloria, Jimmy stammered. I, she, she accepted a date proposal from me, and, uh, that's great, I told you. Yes, you did, Evan. You did it. that, he stuttered. But, but, I don't know where I should take her, you know, to impress her, first date and all. Evan nodded. Ah, yes, good point. Jimmy looked to Evan expectantly, waiting for suggestions. So Evan ticked off the usual suspects. Uh, Musso and Franks is nice. Nah, too Hollywood, too obvious. Jimmy waved this off quickly. Chasen's? To Beverly Hills. I want to impress her. Make her think I know something everyone else doesn't. You know, the Jimmy knows about cool, out-of-the-way places thing. Jimmy? Yeah. El Cholo. Over on Western, Evan said. It's like being in a Carmen Miranda movie. Not many of the usual Hollywood types hang there. It's subtle, romantic and has authentically Mexican food. Romantic, right. Jimmy nodded. Good thinking. Not too spicy, is it? I got a weak stomach, you know. A souvenir from the war. There are alternatives on the menu. Carne asada, a basic steak with some rice and beans that shouldn't tear up your gut too much. Yeah, by golly, I'm a meat and potatoes man myself. That just might do it. Jimmy smiled, suddenly his old self again. He set the drink down and walked over to his phone, dialing a number. Gloria, it's me, Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart. Listen, I came up with a perfect spot for us for dinner tonight. Again, Evan congratulated himself on being not only a part of 1946 movie-making history, but a 1946 matchmaking legend as well. Jimmy hurried upstairs to get dressed. Evan glanced at himself in the mirror that hung beside the stairs and noticed something alarming. His dark brown hair was going gray at the temples. He had wrinkles under his eyes and he looked tired, old. Evan straightened up, shook his head and looked again. Same wrinkles, gray hair, And look of exhaustion. Coop was right. They had to get out of this time, and the sooner the better. Coop paced before his enormous Dr. Frankenstein-like machines, his mind in knots. When he took long late-night walks, he could conjure things in his head, solve complex problems. Coop poured himself a glass of water, broke a tray of ice, and savored the liquid. One thing he loved most about 1946 was refrigeration and the freezing mechanism above the main cooler ice the glory of ice yes ice was available in the 1800s but was always in short supply the ice man would come coop could enjoy his cold drinks and within a few days the ice would melt in the older ice box he had owned it was expensive and unreliable The worst of combinations. Coop stepped outside onto Clarissa Avenue and breathed in the fragrant Los Angeles air. In April, the hyacinth bloomed, and its scent graced the warm city. Coop made his way east, stopped at North Hoover, and then made a right. It was already quiet at 8 p.m. Los Angeles was an early to bed, early to rise town with a few late night spots. But for the most part, it was a well-constructed mining town. People came here to get rich and either reinvent themselves or move back to where they came from, healthier and wealthier, but not wiser. Coop knew how to get away from the current time period, which would be the equivalent of leaping out of the boat they were in, using the river analogy, scaling the high bank and scrambling over onto the other side. The last experiment was a failure, but the more he thought about it, the more he felt it had been due to a lack of energy. He couldn't build up enough pure voltage to break the membrane of the portal, even while drawing from Los Angeles's combined power. He needed fire from the heavens, the electrical fireworks of the Almighty. The earlier storm was puny, not enough ions in the air. They could not do this jump without God and Koop would have to allow his faith to guide him. The inherent problem was, when and where would they be deposited? In 1348 Europe, with the Black Plague raging and the living hell that was the Middle Ages? Or what if they wound up in 1940 Poland, with a brutal Nazi occupation underway? Considering Koop's skin tone, a concentration camp would likely be his final destination. Coop hung his head, hating that he didn't know what to do.